0: So there is again outrage following the brutal murder of a Muslim woman, allegedly by her husband, and many WhatsApp groups have been formed with communities demanding that he be denied bail. We discussed this with Sister Maryam Mangera, the project coordinator for the National Shelter Movement of South Africa this afternoon. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sister Maryam, welcome to the show. Wa alaikum, <laughs> salam, you know it's not um i'm 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 not going to say that this is under good circumstances that we're speaking this afternoon because this is really um you know um very uh heartbreaking to hear about and especially when we know that South Africa has such a high rate of GBV so maybe before we go further you can give us a little bit of background and information with what you have available on the murder of Nazreen Fakir Gaji Okay.
1: so there isn't a lot that we can actually discuss until after um the alleged murderer uh, pleads but mm-hmm. at this point she was brutally murdered last week by stab wounds from a screwdriver and one of her children has actually found her and the alleged perpetrator being the husband with blood and neighbors were called to the scene now We have been told by credible sources that Ms. herself had opened multiple cases at the Park Zoo police station against her husband for domestic violence, but she did not receive the support from family or from the police that she deserved. And now we are left in this tragic
0: situation where she has now become a statistic of femicide. Mm which is very very like you said you know to become a statistic and that's not something I think anybody because when you think about it um, you know she's a human being a life has been taken a life lost children if she has them have lost their mother um, her mother has lost a daughter if she's still in this world and it's a it's a situation I think that we face quite often in this country and it's really heartbreaking and for women I think it, it, it just adds to the concerns that we already have about the violent world we live in So you did mention that we can't really talk much about this Obviously because the case hasn't been heard yet Has her husband appeared in court? He did appear
1: last week However, the bail application has been postponed to tomorrow morning Um, So we will have to wait until then at 9.30 But there Mm -hmm. are protests that have been organized And approvals have been um, given So they will start at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning Outside the Joburg Central Court
0: Mm -hmm. Now, this is, you know, when we talk about domestic violence, it's not something that you would find people talking about, particularly women it's not something, it's taboo um, it's embarrassing, it's humiliating to talk about, especially if you are the victim or you know somebody close um, you know, in your family who may be a victim. Sometimes it's a mother knowing her daughter is going through a difficult um, situation where she faces domestic abuse on a daily basis Um, you know, and now recently with this happening, with this particular case, many Muslim women in the community have been coming forward talking about their own situation This is rather concerning, wouldn't you say?
1: It's absolutely concerning because in the wake of this tragedy, many WhatsApp groups have started basically in support of Nasreen and trying to rally people to uh, oppose the bail application. But at the same time, there's been countless women and Muslim women that have been coming forward and describing the most horrendous situations that they are currently living under. And the problem is that their families are telling them that they are not allowed to speak out. They are not allowed to seek divorce. They are not allowed to report their spouses because it's an embarrassment. And for me, those statements are embarrassing. Mm -hmm. The thing is Mm -hmm. that the perpetrators do not feel embarrassed by their actions. So why should we as a society be shielding them and feeling embarrassed for them? Because they do not care about what it is they are doing. And I mm-hmm. find it particularly alarming that within the Muslim community, we are talking about hiding violence when that is not what our religion actually teaches us, and that is not the way of the Prophet. So, wasalam, so why are we encouraging women to hide um, their perpetrators? Why are we, as mothers, telling our daughters it's okay? And And there's been a number of women that come out to say that their parents tell them that they can only leave their husband's houses in coffins. That's not Islamic. What are we teaching our children?
0: Mm -hmm. And it becomes a cycle. I think a lot of the times we don't realize that when children live under those circumstances, the son could either become a perpetrator of violence, and if there's daughters, she accepts that as being something normal. And I think we forget about that. Absolutely. Hurt
1: people hurt people. So Mm -hmm. we are teaching our sons how to be perpetrators and we're teaching our daughters to be complacent and to accept circumstances of abuse. And that is the big problem that we are faced with. How do we correct it? How do we start over? We need Serious behavioral change, change interventions as a community. And we need to start at home. So if you see something, you have to say something. We cannot yes. keep hiding these acts of barbarism because these are not actually the actions that we should be tolerating as a Muslim community.
0: Absolutely. So, looking at what these women are posting or saying on these groups, what are the main reasons given by them about not laying charges, or um, you know, um, why are they are they are they so afraid to go against their families because they feel they have nowhere else to turn? That's exactly it. A lot of them are dependent on their abusers
1: financially and in terms of stability for their children, and they have no support structures. So they cannot go off on their own without family support or actually being able to hold the perpetrators accountable for their actions. So it seems to be that women are being taken advantage of not just physically, but economically and emotionally as well within our communities.
0: Mm-hmm. and you know the whole idea about a family feeling embarrassed by what is happening i think it's you know when you think about it and if you know of somebody like in the case of nazarene now if if people knew she was being abused to that um you know to the point where she she thought necessary to turn to the police um or even to other people outside of her family then you are actually um this is my opinion but i would think that you are then uh a co-conspirator because you allowed Absolutely. this you enabled it to happen
1: yes and we have um, GBV amendment laws that came into effect as of the first of July this year and one of those being the Domestic Violence Act and now it says that if you know of violence being perpetrated against an elderly elderly person or children you yourself will be held accountable and can face jail term so in the case of Nazine the children hurt three kids were actually victims because they were watching what was going on in Mm. that house. So, everybody that knew what was going on can actually be taken to court and face jail terms. And the same goes for everybody else in our community.
0: Mm -hmm. How old are children and how are they doing? Um, They are teenagers. We've been
1: told that the eldest is 17, the middle child is 14, and the youngest is 10.
0: Hmm. Well we pray that uh, you know Allah grants them peace because this is not something that's going to be easy for them to forget it's going to be with them for the rest of their lives and I'm sure you as a project coordinator for the National Shelter Movement of South Africa understand this so give us a little bit of background with regards to the work that you do and how you got involved.
1: So uh, we have reached out to the family and offered psychosocial support to the children, and we are hoping to actually be able to assist them there with counseling. Um, Mm. But obviously they have agency, and so we will wait for the consent. In terms of the national shelter movement, we are an umbrella body made up of 95 shelters spread across the country. We uh, provide safe havens for women and their children and all of our shelters are specifically for GBV survivors. Our shelters are equipped to help with psychosocial support as well as economic empowerment, skills development and mentoring. We help women get back on their feet and able to actually self-sustain their families.
0: Because mm. I think that's one of the biggest things, Um, you know, uh, having spoken and being around women I know who have gone through um, GBV or domestic violence in their own homes. It's very difficult for them to say, you know what, I'm going to up and leave. And it's a question many people ask them, why don't you leave? Um, you know, but it's not that easy because they look at their children. Where would I take them? Um, yeah. You know, and then and 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 being afraid of the person who's actually victimizing you who's who's perpetrating this violence against you and they are worried that they would come after their children or take their children away because those are things those are the kinds of um things that they hold over them and um that kind of power um is really difficult for, for many women to to understand and handle uh because her her you know sort of makeup is that she wants to protect her children Absolutely.
1: And we're talking to the psyche of a victim now. And we should also pay attention to the United Nations uh, statistics that say a woman that has actually been a victim of abuse would actually leave home seven times before she leaves her perpetrator on the eighth time. Because understand that women um, have a deeper Emotional um, yes. contact. Attachment. In, 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 mm. Exactly, in a message. And so for them to leave, and they got into the message for love and for the right reasons. And when they are actually faced in these situations, it's very difficult for them to actually put the person they fell in love with in the shoes of their perpetrators. And so actually connecting the dots between the two become very difficult, and that's the hesitation. And it's actually very, very traumatic for these women. You're talking about loved realities of people and not statistics. This is what women face on a daily basis. And that is why it is so important that as communities we support and we do not talk about embarrassment,
0: but more so how can we help? So how can people actually become involved in the fight to get justice, particularly now for Nazreen herself? Um, because, you know, there's so much of information out there. This, we have these 16 days that a campaign that happens. Um, we've seen, um, you know, on TV, all the, um, different protests. We've attended protests. We've seen across South Africa for during the COVID uh, pandemic, we've seen how, um, young women have been murdered and, and GBV happens to be a topic we are discussing. I mean, in South Africa, it's known as the second pandemic. And yet we are still struggling to make people understand that something needs to be done. Uh, You know, how many more people are we going to, women, how many more women, young women, are we going to see in our community as well as outside of our community who are going to be, you know, ending up in a coffin, as you said? Absolutely.
1: So first, let me um, correct that it has been amended. GBV has now been pronounced as of the 2nd of November by the president, the primary pandemic in the country. Mm -hmm. Women in this country face GBV and femicide at a higher rate than anywhere else in the world. Our rate of femicide is five times the global average, which means that in war torn countries, we in South Africa have more deaths of women at the hands of intimate partners than countries Mm -hmm. that are going through war. So the first thing we can do is obviously behavioral change. So we have to start in the home and condemning violence. We cannot be instituting violence in raising children and expect them to be grown up as mm. members of a civil society if they do not know difference. We need to teach children from a young age the difference between love and what is toxic relationships. Yes. We need to be able to call people out. It doesn't matter if they are our fathers or our brothers or our best friends. Men and women alike need to call out perpetrators and not allow them to breathe their toxicity in our communities. And as a community we need to stand together. Our imams need to condemn this violence. Nasrin and her uh, murderer lived around the corner from the mosque in Emmerensha. Let us Let us call our leaders to account. The Gender-Based Violence Summit 2 was on the 1st and 2nd of November. There were many traditional leaders there. There were many religious leaders. I did not see one imam at that event of 1,600 delegates. Why?
0: Well, it's a sad situation that I think we're facing. And when we look at our Muslim community, if we are emulating our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is not the behavior that we would expect from any of our men. And I think, you know, um, like you said, behavioral change, because this comes mes- mostly from culture and what people live through. So. In your homes I think you know we need to maybe stop and look how we look at our children how we um, teach them certain things how we react to one another um, you know and situations like that and it's so important because the cycle needs to be broken and it can only be broken if we look at our own home starting there as you said Absolutely. Well, we, we'll keep in touch and see how things go, particularly keeping in, in, in touch with regards to this particular case. And um, it was nice talking to you this afternoon under the circumstances. But shukran for your time. Much appreciated. Ameen. Thank you, Anissa. You're welcome. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa